0: Welcome to Streamed and Screened, a podcast distributed by Lee Enterprises about all the new movies and TV shows that are just over the horizon, that are worth your time. The show is hosted by Bruce Miller, an entertainment reporter for multiple decades. Do you want me to not say multiple decades? <laughs> no, I'm always good with multiple okay. decades because yeah. I've been since since dirt. <laughs> uh, entertainment reporter for multiple decades who is now the editor of the Sioux City Journal. Uh, that voice you heard was Bruce, also Jared McNett, a reporter for the sioux city journal hello jared hello and me chris lay the podcast operations manager for lee based out of madison wisconsin we are one week away from the oscars yay it's exciting yes get that countdown clock going got the
1: oscar fever we do I started like one o'clock in the afternoon when they start arriving and it's like nobody who arrives and they're looking at the guy who comes and brings the coffee or brings whatever and they start talking to that person. Who do you think should win the Oscars and you wonder how long do those poor old reporters have to wear those tuxedos and those old evening gowns just to be able to keep them on air all that night. So I watch that junk. I think it's kind of fun. And then you see who's desperate enough to come. In the old years, it used to be Edie Williams was the first one. She was kind of a semi porn star and she would show up every year and walk the red carpet so she'd get the attention. But she never got into the Oscars because she never had a ticket. So who's the Edie Williams of this year? Who's going to be the first one there? I don't know. Who is? Well, it sure isn't going to be Rachel Zegler because she. She's been complaining online that she didn't get invited to the Oscars, even though she's the star of West Side Story. And I'm sure by the time it happens, she'll be on the, she'll be there. So yeah, so we've got Oscar talk.
2: We are chock-a-block with Oscar talk.
0: Chock-a-block. But ahead of that weekend, we've got some interesting movies. Uh, The Lost City and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Two movies that are gonna be landing in theaters that both seem at opposite ends of the spectrum as far as, uh, audience. Uh, maybe one is an artsy film and, uh, and the other is, uh, action comedy, but they both seem like they're going to be a ton of fun. Uh, we'll also have some new shows that are going to be debuting or returning that we can check out. And we've got links in the show notes to everything that we talk about, plus social media and how you can contact us and Subscribe to the show and click like and get the logo tattooed on your body. All those things. You know, I did go to something this weekend. I went to see
1: X. And I know that Jared did too. I did. I went and saw it as well. Yeah. All right. You discuss and then I'll come in. No, I'm going to push back. Bruce, what is your take? Oh, please. (laughs) It wasn't either a good horror film or a good porn film, it was wrong on both counts. I think they tried to play it too safe in both areas. It seemed tedious for long periods of time. And all I could think was Kid Cuddy did this. Really? Did he need this work? He did not need this work. And I still don't understand why one uh, actor plays two parts. I still don't get that.
2: That I didn't realize until the movie was actually over and I went home. I, I kept wondering the whole time, who the hell is playing the old woman in this? And I like could not figure it out at all. So same. But then
0: why, why was she? Is there some connection? I think so. I mean, I think it's the kind of thing where you can you know, spin out uh, a lot of interpretations that way, where it was age being jealous of youth and not appreciating what you have when you've got it. And the idea of patriarchy keeping you down in a subtle uh, sense, and both of those characters seemed like they had a lot of echoes between those two. Jared, would you say it's a spoiler to say who it is? I mean, it's kind of obvious now that I guess we're we're talking about it.
2: I don't think it spoils the movie at much at all, really, because the movie doesn't make a big deal out of it, and it's really just learning that after the fact. or like going into it like can make you just think different ways about the movie. So I don't think it's much of a spoiler.
0: It's uh, Mia Goth, whose character uh, is who plays both the old woman and the uh... porn star. She's a porn star in that.
2: They're not porn stars. They're one. They're uh, porn
1: uh, actors and actresses wanting to be stars. That's the crucial thing. Wannabes, right? Yeah. Did you guys stay to the bitter end? I know that there is a trailer. At the end of the credits. So if you're interested in this and you happen to go, stick around because they do previews of a coming attractions which is the prequel film and it looks very much like uh, a wizard of oz gone with the wind it's very kind of 30s 40s driven very colorful very kind of and it does have her in it so you'll get a chance to see that but it was like i waited for this i was starting to look at the credits and read names seeing if i recognized anybody that's how bad that was you're
0: like oh oh, oh the gaffer yeah he was in i uh, know that gaffer that's my <laughs> friend
1: yeah right i was disappointed now you guys refute let's hear i
2: would actually agree that uh i i certainly would not have minded there being uh more uh stuff to make it outright horror, including maybe even some more gore stuff since they like didn't hesitate from showing that in certain, uh scenes and then I mean, why not throw a little bit more uh, porn stuff in there, too, while you're at it. Go full uh, 70s exploitation if that's the sandbox that you uh, want to play in. But um, I really appreciated uh, like the villains were certainly atypical. You don't get a lot of movies where it's an old, old, old couple as the villains in a horror movie. So that's fun. Love the love the gator. Could have seen more of the gator. I actually enjoyed uh, Kid Cudi in the movie uh, quite a bit. He was one of my favorite parts. And uh, I, I liked Mia Goth in it uh, in quite a bit, too. She has like a, a weird presence about her in the movie. And I, I appreciated that.
0: I feel like it was the exact right amount of gore and horror and slasher and the exact right amount of, you know, Boogie Nights family vibe of the troop, I guess. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Mary Band. Yeah, exactly. The complexities that that are on display in a, you know, specific scene with with the elderly couple were not like jaw-dropping, but the movie definitely pulled a punch and like, you know, changed a gear that I was not expecting in that moment and I was really happy with it.
2: One of the things I was definitely surprised by uh is that the weirdly tragic parts of the movie that are about just being old and having regrets, like you know, this wasn't like some deep poetry that they dealt with that in, but I didn't think that that would be a thing that would come up in this movie at all. And it did. And I mean, that's not something that comes up in a lot of horror movies either. So I will say the husband in the movie, just take some heart medicine, man. You can't keep using your heart being too weak as an excuse. Just, just take some meds.
1: (laughs) With the way it starts, it starts with these cops driving up onto this scene, right? They could have done something like Blair Witch, where you just see the scenes that they had photographed. And if they had, you know, the the stuff at the gas station, that worked, that was fine. That could have been footage that this guy took. They didn't need some of that other stuff. And then you could put the pieces together and come to the conclusion, this is where the trouble is. I think it could have been smarter than it was And truly, if you call something X, it's got to be a little bit more than what I get on Hulu. Because, shoot, we're seeing stuff on TV right now. This looks like something Disney would put out.
0: Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) I don't know what. uh, It is a very soft. What kind of Disney Plus subscription you've got? (laughs) It's a soft core R. Well, yeah, but that's what it's supposed to be. And I'm I also am interested to, you know, I guess find out if there's gonna be a, you know, one of those like extended directors cuts that, you know, comes out uh on either streaming or, you know, all of the uh, you know, A24 movies get the the big fancy Blu-ray limited edition release. Uh, for better or worse
2: this is a, a, another thread that uh, comes up throughout the movie there's a, a tv that keeps basically every tv in this part of texas that they're in keep playing footage from these like revival sermons of this like very very extremist
0: televangelist
2: yeah televangelist and i i appreciated that because that definitely gave it a good sense of like where they are specifically at in texas and like there was a menace to that stuff too because like There are so many of those kind of guys that could have also gone the Jim Jones route if they had just gotten a little more popular or things went just a little bit more awry for them. And there's a menace to that, too, even though that really doesn't pay off in the movie too much, except for the very end.
0: And that's also ground that Ty West has tilled in the past with the movie The Sacrament, which is not great necessarily, but it's certainly underrated. You know, how's the devil and you know, followed by the innkeeper, probably get you know the most love from from his fan base. But the sacrament, which is very much almost kind of a beat for beat, you know, Jim Jones biopic, basically, is really, really fantastic for what it is. And it's it slept on. Let's say that it's slept on. I wish they had used though actors that you didn't know. I feel like they did. I mean, e- even last week, you know, we, we referred to it as a you know, relative unknowns. We talked about Mia goth. Brittany
1: Snow has a pretty big resume of things that she did on television. And if you saw her as a kid, you'd go, oh, that's someone one from, I think it was American Dreams. And she was in a lot of kind of very wholesome things. And now she's this person who works at a dive bar, I guess. But I, if it had been really unknowns, I would not know or care what happened to them because it's the luck of the draw. I know that they would love to say that they were in the same vein as Midsummer, but this
0: doesn't come close to Midsummer in terms of its intelligence. Given other Bruce. I mean, I will absolutely say uh, when you talked about it was a little too meandering. I think I'm maybe putting words in your mouth there, but there's a lot of lingering establishing shots that don't necessarily need to be as long as they are early on. But or time spent making
1: a sandwich, good lord. Cut to the chase. I want more of that alligator.
2: As far as the alligator goes, because I know a bunch of people understandably have like brought up Texas Chainsaw Massacre with this. But if you uh, end up liking X and you like uh, end up liking the gator in it, there's a different Toby Hooper movie instead of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You should go and watch, and that's Eaten Alive, which is all about this just whack job guy in rural Texas again with a uh, alligator that lives on his property and kills people. So. That's the uh, movie you should check out after this if you want more Gator action.
0: I think you know, Jared and I are in the absolute thumbs up column for you know varying degrees and reasons. Absolute thumbs down from me. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have guessed that your take on the thumbs down would have been that it didn't go hard enough in the paint.
1: You know what? When we see television doing it now, you really have to bring something that justifies why you're going out to a theater to see this why is this necessary when like I say there are things on tv right now where they're dirtier they're more horrific they're scarier and this one has that I mean I get that they're trying to do a 70s thing where you have that boring period in there in the 70s film but I was around in the 70s and they weren't that bad I think Quentin Tarantino gets it right. When he tries to do those things, he gets it right. He pays homage to it, and he also takes it in another direction. All right, move on. We're done with that crap.
0: Moving on. (laughs) Moving along. Yeah. Let's see. What have we got? We got coming out, Lost City. I assume that the
1: uh, Sandra Bullock thing is like, she'll make a goofy comedy, and then she'll make something that's serious and hopefully get an Oscar nomination from it. This is the goofy comedy. I love though that she says she's going to take some time off and not act. So does that say something about this film? But it looks just like a typical rom-com where she's running around, doesn't know what to do, and could be in trouble at some point. The idea that Daniel Radcliffe is a villain is interesting. And the most exciting cameo is Brad Pitt. Which is ruined by the trailer. Yeah, that
2: trailer is, is everything that's wrong with like a lot of trailers now, where it just gives away most of the plot of the movie, it seems like.
0: Heading into X, there was a trailer for The Norseman that I basically pulled my hat down. All of the plot points of the first third of the film are pretty much like right there.
2: At least you got uh, trailers that were somewhat similar uh, to the movie you went and saw. <laughs> uh, I got uh, the new Doctor Strange movie, And then also Bob's Burgers, which like maybe there's crossover between Bob's Burgers and people that want to see a porno horror movie, but trailers, man, not, not in a good state right now.
0: Not to, you know, throw in a shade at AMC, big fan of, of, of the, the monthly deal they got, Yep, but it's a great deal. There is a full half an hour of trailers before the movie for better or worse. And every single movie I've seen at AMC is front-loaded with a Lost City trailer Yep. <laughs> the loose plot of The Lost City. Sandra Bullock plays an author who does these kind of bodice ripper adventure tales. And the Fabio like cover model, played by Channing Tatum, is trying to reestablish his identity outside of the cover model, you know, star, just a pretty face type thing. And Daniel Radcliffe, that Bruce already mentioned, is a, a rich dude who basically thinks that one of the plots of Sandra Bullock's books is real life and includes some coded treasure map. And so he kidnaps her and then the Channing Tatum character chases after her to save her. And as part of a, uh, you know, career uh, redefinition and he's just this sort of charming lunkhead. Like I said, I mean, the, the trailer is, it gives away way too much and I'm already on the hook for this movie already, with it being Channing Tatum. A good couple of months for Channing Tatum, between that and Dog, which, love it or hate it, has done really great money in theaters and then is already topping a bunch of rental lists. So he's having, he's having a really good first quarter of 2022.
1: You know, This is that one where you don't want to think too hard. You're on a date, or it's girls' night out. It's fine. It'll work. It'll make its money. Go for it.
0: And then everything, everywhere, all at once is also in theaters. Jared, you want to take point on that?
2: I can. I only caught half of this trailer because I was going to the Coke Freestyle Machine and uh, refilling my Seagram's ginger ale. But I went back and watched the trailer for this. And I am excited just for a a weird, uh, bizarre movie with some uh, legacy folks in it that's not a uh, a sequel or a... uh, a prequel or an uh, adaptation of anything uh, readily familiar so that's my bar with a lot of this stuff anymore and it at least clears that bar
0: and this is uh another a24 movie uh, this is from the the daniels is how they're they're in the in the trailer two guys whose first names are, are daniel previously they did swiss army man very divisive film <laughs> yes it seems like this is maybe going to be a little bit less divisive possibly, but it's uh, Michelle Yeoh. Her reality kind of starts to un- unravel. And it seems like like it is basically the Marvel metaverse style thing. The kids love
2: the metaverse.
0: Yeah. They love it. But I mean, this one is unattached to any other established IP. And it uh, looks like it's going to navigate all that with the same visual whimsy and kind of insanity that is associated with the guys who did Swiss Army Man. Uh, there's a lot of prominent googly eyes in this film. <laughs> so, yeah, this, this is one where it's it's difficult, to, I think, kind of really even touch on on a plot without just saying, you know, go watch the trailer. And it's another, between this and Lost City, this is one where you you're shown a whole lot, but it doesn't make any sense. It's completely incomprehensible outside of just, the most vaguest notion of what it's going to be.
2: That's all I ever need from, from a trailer. Just give me vibes. Just give me, give me two minutes of vibes.
0: And so that's gonna be hitting theaters. And interestingly enough is, uh, it was produced by Anthony and Joe Russo, the Russo brothers who have done a bunch of Marvel movies. So maybe they lent their, uh, their awareness of much larger budgeted multiverses. They put their bonus checks
1: up on these things. Residual money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, show me the money. Okay,
0: we'll put your name on it. That sounds good. And that's kind of what's in theaters this weekend, both of which look, look good. Uh, there's no, no stinkers, I don't think. King Richard is coming back to HBO. Just in time to collect its rewards. Before we transition into the Oscars, I'll let Jerry can uh, grab Atlanta season three as well. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I'm uh, incredibly excited for this Atlanta in the the two seasons that it had, um, which I can't even remember the years now because it's been a few years since they were even on. But
0: last season was four years ago, I think.
2: Yeah, at this point, it's been a while. I think the first season was 2016. And then, yeah, the second season was 2018, something like that. But both of those years, it was right there with my favorite show of that year, like it and, and Better Call Saul. I love everyone in the cast uh, as an actor, at least in this. I think it's the best work, acting work that uh, Donald Glover's done. It's some of the best acting work that Brian Tyree Henry's done. Ditto for Lakeith Stanfield and, and Zazie Beats. I just loved it through two seasons of the show. If you're watching them all in order, which I did recently again, I rewatched them. You don't know what the show is going to be from week to week. In some hands, that could be a really, really messy kind of thing. And you don't really have a show if you're doing all these different moods. But it always seems to work with Atlanta when they change their tones completely from week to week. And I'm excited to see what they do with a, a fresh batch of, uh, of
1: episodes. And uh, Bruce, you, uh, you got to interview. I've seen it. Yeah, I interviewed the cast. I've seen the first two episodes. And the first episode is like the, do you remember the guy where he looked like uh, Michael Jackson?
2: Yes, yeah, uh, Teddy Perkins.
1: Yeah, it's a very standalone one like that. I don't want to go too far into what it is, but what you're finding out this season is that they're going on tour in Europe. And what they'll find is how they are treated in a different place. And it really kind of mirrors what's happening or what happened in the United States between 2019 and now. Donald points out that all of it was written before the pandemic. So they had this all in mind. It wasn't that suddenly they got an awareness and they said, let's make this happen in this. All of these scripts were written back then. But it does foreshadow what we saw happen in the United States during those two years. And it does reflect, uh, I did a story, maybe you want to link this uh, with them, about how the characters have kind of changed over the years in terms of their success. You know, they were kind of just Scrabbling to try and get somewhere in the first couple of seasons, and now they're they're fairly successful. And how they deal with success from this standpoint, and they already have finished the fourth and last season. It's done. It's filmed. It's in the can. So it will um, probably roll out either at the end of the year or the beginning of the next year. Um, So you get a chance to see it all together. But they're done with it. They're happy with it. They're pleased with what it had to say. And like Donald Glover says, it doesn't have to be going on forever it's like college you have four years you graduate you move on to something else we had four years we were able to graduate from this and we learned a lot and we're all going on to other things but that doesn't mean we won't come back at some point and maybe do a movie and see where the characters are
0: you know 10 20 years from now it's a very curb your enthusiasm approach even
2: as radical as the show can be in terms of like style or even what it's saying and everything like that it definitely does feel like a little bit of a throwback from like a part of the 2010s when like there was a lot more like a tour driven stuff that was coming out on TV where like you didn't, you weren't necessarily pumping out like a season every single year and people were taking years off, you know, like Mad Men did that. And um, uh, I think Louie even did that uh, too at one point, another FX show. So it is kind of funny to think that a little bit of a throwback in in that respect when so much about the rest of it is anything but uh,
1: a throwback. You'll like the first episode because like I say it doesn't you don't see all those characters that you're looking for it isn't like they're all together and we're having dinner and then we talk about where we are now it's a different story and um, fascinating because it shows a different side of the world as they see it so don't be afraid when you see the first episode that it's not what you were expecting. It's, it's them doing what they do best, which is kind of uh, mix it
0: up a bit. And it's a Teddy Perkins kind of world. Donald Glover has done a, a fantastic job of letting everyone expect the unexpected. And if every single episode is a curveball, that just somehow fits the overall aesthetic of the show. Uh, and I don't know, he's someone who I just got a lot of faith uh, I feel like he has earned all of the faith <laughs> that I can give him uh, to be, you know, surprised and, and wowed by the, the ideas that he's able to address and churn out. And uh... you know what? He's a cool
1: guy. Very. He's going to be the coolest guy in the room, but he also is the very, the most normal guy in the room. He would sit by you and talk trash about things like the movies, like we do. You know, and you would think he was just another guy in the room
2: in college. Actually, I got to hang out with him for a night because he came to to Kirksville and I just ended up bar hopping with him uh, afterwards. And for a a good stretch of it, I just talked music with him about other music stuff. And like he had his music takes and I had my music takes and everything like that. And yeah, to that point, he is absolutely that kind of guy, at least from my limited experience with whatever the hell that's worth.
0: he will geek out on Star Wars just like you will if you want to. Yeah. I mean, which, I mean, Jesus, I I could not imagine Chewing the Fat with Lando Calrissian. Jared, I hope you gave him some ideas for some
1: songs. And you said, you know, I think if you did what about America, if you did something with America, I think you could
0: really bring it home. This one goes out to my man, Jared, who inspired this song. Jared, you're the man. (laughs) (laughs) This uh, Midwest white dude I know. (laughs) So let's jump in. Oscar,
1: Oscar. It's a wonderful night for Oscar. It's either going to be as predictable as we thought, or it's going to be just off the beam.
0: I am predicting off the beam. I think everything is up in the air right now, especially with CODA just winning the Producers Guild Award and Don't Look Up winning the Writers Guild Award, both of which were gaining a lot of momentum in the Dark Horse category for Best Picture. The three of us, we've locked in our picks. For Best Picture, I'm still saying West Side Story.
2: That's commitment, folks. That is a a committed man.
1: Rachel can't even get a ticket to the Oscars and you're giving them the big one. I feel bad
0: for her. She should take that personal.
1: <laughs> yep. They always will bring the cast up when they win Best Picture. That's a big flop right there. Tell Rachel to come out of the parking lot. She needs to come up to the front. We're giving them Best Picture. Can't you see that? I mean, that would happen. Entertainment Tonight will hire as a special correspondent, and she'll be there, and they'll have to pull her off the red carpet.
0: The mentality that I've got for Best Picture with Bus Side Story is... It is the best film that Steven Spielberg has made in multiple decades. Coda, The Power of the Dog, Don't Look Up, Belfast. There's going to be a certain, you know, vote splitting uh, going on there.
1: The goofy thing about all this is that in recent years, this is, again, you've got to try and track all this junk. They try to spread it around. So if you look at the, the 10 Best Picture nominees, they'll probably get something Where they skunk somebody, that doesn't happen that much. I mean, yeah, there'll be one film that won't get anything out of those, but it isn't gonna be, I don't think you're gonna see six awards to Power of the Dog, two to Dune, three to whatever, and that's it. It's gonna be spread around. And I think that this is where we'll see, wait a minute, Tammy Faye is not gonna get best makeup? You're kidding. It'll be like that. I think they're gonna spread it around a lot. And I think that's what we see most of all with this new, this new voting group, is that they like to give everybody a little something.
0: So are you guys both uh, power of the dog?
1: I am power of the dog.
2: You know what? I'll stick with you, Chris. I will. I'll
1: stand by you, man. Really? Let's go. The one that could beat it is Coda. You know that.
0: Well, I totally do. But I think Coda, and again, this isn't knocking Coda at all. Coda is a really well-made film, but stack it up against West Side Story. I know it's apples and oranges, but Jesus, I mean, West Side Story just blows the doors off. How can you say your best picture
1: when all of the below the line or technical things are just average? The cinematography isn't great. The uh, sound isn't great. None of those things that would add up to a, a great best picture aren't there. If you're just giving because it's a nice, kind movie that everybody can see, and it does lift up an audience that has not been lifted up in I can't tell you how long, then okay, but that's not what Best Picture is. Best Picture should say that all the elements came together and they worked at their highest level. And I do think, I'm with you, I do think that on that basis, West Side Story is the best picture, but, Then it brings in all that crap about, well, it's a remake. They muddy the waters just because it, and they do just as much bad mouthing as as politicians do. So, you know, if you can get an edge over somebody else, but I would be very skeptical of somebody giving a vote to Coda because they felt good about it, but it wasn't really all that well made. And it didn't get a best director nomination.
0: That was the other thing I was going to say. So- I don't think it'll win. I still am sticking with Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog is the conservative choice. I think, you know, it's been in the lead for so long. And then Coda would maybe be the uh, slightly less conservative choice is like the the apple cart upsetting. uh,
2: What side story is the
0: the base choice, as the kids would say? If I'm going to lose my best picture pick, I'm fine having taken that stand. So take that with whatever grain of salt. If
2: I'm going to strike out, I want to strike out having the bat like fly out of my hands and like hit the pitcher in the head.
0: <laughs> I mean, sure. I don't know where. <laughs> that metaphor kind of. <laughs> it's a real knuckleball of a choice here.
1: <laughs> Bottom of the fourth and here we go. Let's see what happens. But best director. Oh, Jane Campion. Even after she said bad things at the... Uh, Critics' Choice Awards, she's still winning.
2: As dumb as what it was that she said was, there's a lot of people that are going to be voting or have voted that probably heard that and are like, what, what did she say? What's the, I don't understand the problem with what, what she said.
1: They should vote sooner and then let all these award shows kind of traipse out. Not Don't reflect
0: whatever that is.
1: Yeah. You know, oh God, we got to vote for this because everybody else is. So gee, let's go for it.
0: Her statements are something that seems like it got caught up in the like the bad take, you know, news cycle. I can't imagine that she meant what everyone heard and has clarified all of that. And I don't even think that, you know, Venus or or Serena necessarily took issue with it based on the actual sentiment. Best actress. That's a wild card. Do you want to come to that one right away? If we're talking about conservative picks right now. Jessica Chastain, according to goldderby.com, that's where I've got my picks and I'll see if I can get you guys so we can link to those. Uh, just for posterity, lock these in. But yeah, Gold Derby has her in the lead, 10 to three odds with the, uh, the next in line, I think being Nicole Kidman. Olivia Coleman. Oh yeah, Olivia Coleman, 39 to 10 odds. And then just below her is Nicole Kidman. Three of those have already won. So that leaves two
1: who haven't. Of the two who haven't won, who deserves it most? I picked Jessica Chastain because she is a real good worker of the system, but I don't think that she created the definitive Tammy Faye at all. I don't think she was like, I used to watch Tammy Faye like a religion because I was so enamored with what she was doing. And I think that even Jan Hooks did a better job of playing Tammy Faye on Saturday Night Live. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, that is a spicy
0: take. (laughs) Right, though? That is a muy caliente.
1: (laughs) You got Tammy Faye out of that. But this really, it's just they don't want to give it to Kristen Stewart. And this is where, now you, you talk about how they play this. This is where somebody like Penelope Cruz can win.
0: Having seen Parallel Mothers, Penelope Cruz is great in that you know, she certainly has a, a long career of really fantastic performances. Would not count her out. Yeah, you go back to like where
1: they are trying to like pay off somebody or say, well, you never got one for this, this, and this, so we'll give it for this. But that backfires on them sometimes. And you have somebody like Elizabeth Taylor who said, you know, that was one of the worst things I ever did when she won for Betterfield 8. As much as I'm picking her, I don't think Jessica Chastain is so solid that she can't lose.
0: So we're all in agreement that Jessica Chastain just has the the juice, and you alluded to this, Bruce. But yeah, Kristen Stewart is not. Uh, she doesn't work the the angles the same way.
1: Not a glad hander. No. Yeah, that's why it's it's never the best. No, look at I mean Renee Zellweger with um Judy Garland. Yeah. And look at Al Pacino. There's an example of a career that there are many times he should have won. And then he wins for that dreadful, um, hoo haw Scent of uh, a Woman. Yeah.
2: Which no one, yeah, no one ever talks about that when they're talking about his best movies. I never hear anyone mention that right away.
1: Yeah, and that was a gimme. They gave him the Oscar for that because they avoided him too many other times. So
0: I'm saying Jessica Chastain will win. What have you guys got at the top of yours? Yeah, she's going to win. Okay, I'm good with that. So that's the cynical, but uh,
1: at the same time, factual. (laughs) It's when we're sitting at home and they say, the Oscar goes to Penelope Cruz. And I'll go, yes, yes, yes. That kind of thing. And even Nicole Kidman, boy, she was up against a lot. Where you go, she's going to be Lucy? No. And she did make you kind of remember Lucy.
2: If Nicole Kidman uh, ends up winning, then no one can ever make fun of those AMC ads ever again because they clearly helped.
1: <laughs> She's buying votes
0: one popcorn at a time. Yes. I don't know. the Nicole Kidman and Olivia Coleman. they're, and again, not, not to undermine the quality of the work that they put in, but I can't imagine that there were not more deserving people that could have been in Best Actress. Rachel Zegler. If only just to get her in the door. <laughs> Yeah, right. Right. Um, So changing gears from the unpredictable best actress. Let's go to best actor, which is, I mean, very
2: predictable.
0: Would you say so, Bruce? He's not unbeatable, but I do think he's
1: winning. He did all the right things. He sucked up to the right people. He did a good job. The film is good. And he doesn't take full credit for what he did. So, Will Smith,
0: here's your Oscar. And also, he's someone who is very good at working the system. And who doesn't love just shaking hands with Will Smith? Not that I have any idea what that's like. So, yeah, Will Smith, if there's any dark horse here, what would you say, Bruce? Andrew Garfield. Andrew
1: Garfield, I think, went the most out of his comfort zone. And Really showed us that he could do a lot of other things. Now he campaigned heavier than anybody. So we'll see if that comes through.
0: I would be interested. I, I think that he he was really good in tick tick boom. But if there was an eyes of Tammy Faye nomination, I feel like it should have gone to him between those two leads. Best supporting actor, easily. You buying that, Jared? Are you gonna go uh Denzel in the Dark Horse category? I would love that,
2: uh considering how much I loved uh, the tragedy Macbeth, but uh it's hard for me to think that uh, someone doing uh, Shakespeare is going to win Best Actor in, uh, in 2022. Plus, I mean, obviously, Denzel's won before, so he's not hurting for more
1: Academy Awards. He'll get a third at some point.
2: It is wild with him that he has two Academy Awards, and that seems way under what should have happened with him based on some of the other performances he's given.
1: The woman who plays the witches should have been nominated in this. <laughs> she was the best one in that film. Absolutely. Denzel's an easy choice he's always good to so you're not, even if you don't see his movie you're gonna say nah, I bet he was good I bet that guy was pretty good so we're safe putting his name in there
2: I mean he got nominated for that movie Roman J Israel which I have not seen and couldn't tell you anything about but I know that people were like yeah Denzel was good in that
1: so I think we're we're agreed on this will it's will's year yep they could get that one out first just like they gave it out last, last year. And then we get that out of the way. So then we're not saying, oh God, we have to save this one till the end. Best supporting actress. Well, that is the one that seems like the most, that's the done deal. You think so? Ariana DePose, West Side Story is gonna get something. Is it gonna get best costumes? Is it gonna get best picture? <laughs> it's good, But she has won everything, everything leading up to this. So it would be somebody making a statement and I don't know who is strong
0: enough to take her over. Who would it be? Anjanou Ellis. That is the pick that I'm making. I understand that this is a long shot, but it's a long shot that I feel like it could pay off. And also certainly one of the the most deserving. And it would be fantastic to see Will Smith and Anjanou Ellis up there walking away with, with awards for that because i mean go back to the episode where we were talking about king richard when it came out ingenue ellis is the the real beating heart of that movie in in a lot of ways the one who has the buzz is kirsten dunst because they
1: say she hasn't won this is the first time she's nominated she does a great job but she's got to be part of a big power of the dog sweep and i don't know that that's happening i don't think so either jared
2: let's keep the West side uh, story train right on a rolling down the tracks. I, I don't have any reason to believe it's not going to be uh, Ariana DePose, uh either because of what Bruce was saying in terms of how uh, much she's put herself out there. And also, I mean, she, she owns uh, that movie and uh, she has some of the best moments in it and uh, you definitely need a, a memorable moment to, to win any of these acting awards and uh, she's got hers. So
0: So you guys are both Ariana DeBose, and I'm the one that's taking a chance here and hoping this uh, betting on the long shot is going to pay off, which we shall see. But I I agree. I think the odds are very much in Ariana DeBose's favor. Now we can get real weird. This is the one that could be the real real teller. Best Supporting Actor, and Troy Kotzer has been winning everything leading up to this. He's won the last couple of them. Yeah, for CODA. And- Cody Smith McPhee, who we've got the the Bruce interview, go back and check that out.
1: And he won the Golden Globe and he won a lot of critics uh, uh, awards.
0: Did he win the BAFTA or was he just nominated for the BAFTA? Nominated, nominated. So I mean, it really is between those two. And then uh, it's possible Jesse Plemons, who is also in the same category for uh, the Power of the Dog, might draft a little bit off, off of uh, Cody Smith McPhee. He could steal from Cody.
1: That's what that does. Because two from the same film, you know, are you going to vote for... I think he's always... When you look at the list, he's going to be at least four or five when they
0: add up the votes. Jared? Where are you putting the money?
2: If the Oscars were uh, being held on... Uh, were being held this past weekend with uh, St. Patrick's Day right there, I would pick uh, Kieran Hines from uh, from Belfast. The, the Irish energy would be way too uh, strong to deny admittedly, this is one I, I have no idea. I have the worst feel for this one of almost any of the, uh, the categories we've talked about so far, but if, if, uh, if power of the dog is going to pick up, uh, best picture and some other stuff, it makes sense to me that it would maybe pick up best supporting actor too, just so you have it, uh, popping up kind of throughout the night. So by that very flimsy, uh, logic, uh, Cody Smith McPhee is not a bad choice.
0: The only logic that leads you to an answer here is going to be flimsy at best, but uh, Bruce? You know, look back to The Deer Hunter and Best
1: Supporting Actor went to Christopher Walken, which was a very similar kind of thing where it's this kind of very essential performance that makes the film. And you can't tell me that it isn't Cody who makes this film. When you, it resonates. I still remember those moments and I don't remember the moments with Troy. I'm sure he's a nice person. I'm sure he's great. I'm glad that he's getting the attention. I'm glad that this is a boost for his career. But when you're thinking about what are those performances that resonate, it's the kid. The kid is the one who steals this film. He makes his film. And I was, when you first saw him, you thought, oh God, no, that's a real kind of cliched role that they're just throwing at this guy. And it's gonna be nothing. And when you see the whole film, you realize it's the whole thing. So I want Cody to win. I hope Cody wins. And if Cody wins, it will be a victory that could start, if it is one of the first ones, a role for
0: Power of the Dog. I've got Cody Smith-McPhee as my pick as well. And part of it is uh, personal preference, which, I mean, really just kind of edged him out over the, just the, the fact that Troy Kotzer's been, not coasting, but he is certainly on a roll right now, as is Coda, as a film. Uh, so, Yeah, and there is some kind of logic to this whole thing that if you're going to win Best
1: Picture, you've got to have at least one acting win in there. Very few films win without an acting will win. And if Power of the Dog is going to win Best Picture, it's got to have something.
2: If Cody Smith Fee uh, wins, he'll be the first uh, cast member from Fatal Contact, Bird Flu in America to win an, uh, win an Oscar. So making history. One
1: of the, he's got to be the first X-Man, right? Wasn't he in that too?
2: Oh man, that, that's going to break my brain to think if any other uh, X-Men people have won. I mean, there
1: are ones who won Oscars before they became X-Men, like Halle Berry. But
0: sure, he would be the first one from that class, if you will. Now we're kind of looking at the, uh, we're out of the, the acting categories and the best adapted screenplay best original screenplay. We can kind of knock those out together maybe. What's your pick on uh, adapted screenplay, Bruce? This is going to be where we see
1: what best picture is going to be, I
0: think. If Coda
1: gets it here, that's a Coda night. Power of the Dog, if that wins, that tells you where they're going. I wouldn't give it to Coda. I don't think it's there. I'm with you. I sound like such an anti-whatever. It's an empowering film for deaf actors, empowering, it's wonderful. But the storyline, come on, we've seen this storyline play out, just change the the narrative of what it is. Maybe they are blind family, would you bring that back? And then it's a blind family that uh, doesn't want their daughter to... So I don't know that the story is that original
2: and that, uh, that just speaks to, to the, the problem that I think a lot of movies find themselves in now is that diversity is you know, getting better, maybe marginally better, as, as some people would argue. But there isn't necessarily still a diversity of, of characters. We're still getting the same characters and kinds of characters, even as we're getting more diverse people in these movies. So that, I think that's maybe what you're rubbing up against with something like CODA.
1: Yeah, and I don't, you see what I'm trying to not say, but drive my car has a deaf person in it but it isn't like it's kind of look at me look at me look at me it's just this is what the future should be for deaf actors is that they have a character that's just happens to be deaf it doesn't necessarily have to be a thing
0: power of the dog
1: i i want power of the dog but again if i see coda win they're winning three awards they're winning best picture i'm
0: picking power of the dog as well and that makes three of us that makes three of us yeah. I think Dune being in as an adaptive screenplay, I could see when the second film comes out, it may be being in the running for that, depending on what it's up against, because Dune is a notoriously impossible adaptation. And based on what they did with the first film, they spun gold. I could see that being in the running very easily, uh, especially depending on what it's what it might be up against this time next year. But Not getting it this year. Uh, Best original screenplay. That's where it's going to be interesting. Do they like
1: Kenneth Branagh so much that they're finally going to give him an Oscar? Not for this, I don't think. Are they going to like one of your stray guys like Licorice Pizzas? That's my pick. Or are they going to like Adam McKay because he's talking about some kind of thing that you know, is in the zeitgeist? Are they going to be
0: timely? I'm, yeah, my money's on licorice pizza. I don't necessarily have any kind of hard uh, evidence to support it other than just a gut feeling.
2: I mean, it won pretty big at the National Board of Review Awards like less than a week ago. And it won the BAFTA too for best original screenplay. And they love giving that award to guys like, Paul Thomas Anderson or Quentin Tarantino movies that aren't going to win anything else the rest of the night and are a little bit more off the beaten path and a little bit stranger than, than other stuff like her, the Joaquin Phoenix, Spike Jones movie won for best original screenplay uh, in the
0: 2010s. So I I do think there's some, some
2: good uh, logical
0: basis for uh, picking that. The one that I could see upsetting that pick would be don't look up. Based on the WGA award, but I feel like Licorice Pizza is going to be going to be the one for this. Bruce, did you did you say your your solid pick? Yeah, I like
1: Licorice Pizza, and I would probably vote for that if I would. But I'm going to still go for Belfast.
0: I mean, that's like Licorice Pizza and Belfast, according to the uh, the GoldDerby.com uh, rankings, are pretty much neck and neck right now. So I think you are in good company. Best cinematography. I'm pulling for West Side Story. I would love to see that. And again, I feel like that's one where I know Spielberg's one, his films have, have won cinematography stuff in the past, but man, I mean, West Side Story, there's just so many incredible shots in that movie that are the kind of thing that are going to be referenced in film classes for decades to come. It's got the juice, you know, compared to everything else, I think, to power over um and it's it's ranked really low on gold derby i'm kind of surprised so i'm again maybe it's me on another long shot that'll pay off but that's that's my uh my two cents is west side story bruce jared
2: you know if we are going to have one of those years where something like dune sweeps up in a bunch of technical stuff and then doesn't win anything else which obviously there's plenty of years that are like that cinematography that might be a little bit too high of a watermark for something like dune to win but i could i could see that happening because i mean. The camera certainly isn't as dynamic in Dune as it is in West Side Story. But, I mean, the look of that movie is very distinct and very uh, memorable, which, I mean, that's part of what factors into this kind of thing for an award like cinematography. So uh, I could also see it being Dune. But I my heart would love for it to be West Side Story, but uh, my brain thinks maybe Dune.
0: Nightmare Alley could be in there. I mean, there's... Good. All of these films look beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Tragedy of Macbeth is another one that is gorgeous. Yep. Nightmare Alley can get sets. This is the mank
1: of the year. But I think that West Side Story, that the shots, if you watched any of the making of films that they did about this, how he got some of those shots and it's just like, really? You're zooming the camera down right into these kids dancing and doing all this stuff. This is incredible work. Power of the Dog is a lot like Nomadland where they just kind of turn the camera on during sunset and hope for the best. I don't know, I mean, it's beautiful, but again, if it's a big rush for Power of the Dog, it could get that. But I would like to see West Side Story win. And
0: so we've got like a bunch of other, and not to give any of these guys like short shrift. um... I think Dune is gonna win a lot of those technical ones. If you start looking at special
1: effects, you look at sound, you look at all that stuff, even music. It could get music because Hans Zimmer hasn't won in a number of years. They're doing their Mad Max kind of run here. But if they're going to get Best Picture, they're going to have to wait till part two. We
2: got to talk about the most important uh, award of the night, which is Oscar's cheer moment. And there's five nominees. and We've got Spider-Man team up from uh, No Way Home, a, uh, a lovely scene, although people pointed out that somehow Tobey Maguire's Uh, Spider-Man, for some reason, does not recognize the Green Goblin at all, even though they're from the same universe. That's uh, lazy hack writing, but whatever. Uh, We also have The Matrix from uh, 1999 when Neo goes bullet time and dodges the bullets. Another thing that's basically bullet time, it's also nominated in this category, is The Flash going Speed Force in uh, the Zack Snyder version of uh, Justice League. So even the uh, Oscars are recognizing the Snyder Cut over the, the Josh Whedon version. Uh we have Avengers assemble from Avengers Endgame, uh not from Infinity War, I guess, even though they also assemble and, and team up in that movie as well. I don't know why them assembling in the endgame was somehow a bigger deal, but whatever. Uh, and then you have for some reason that I still don't understand, uh Effie Whites. And I'm telling you, I'm not going from Dream Girls. Uh, somehow made the finalists for Oscars cheer moment. So all the stars are out, Chris.
1: <laughs> um well, if we were going back that far, why didn't we do when Hickory wins the wins the uh, the basketball tournament? There you go. You know, I mean, nobody said these were going to be these old things that they're pulling out because they're going to run it on their premium channel. Stupid. Thumbs down on all of it. Dumb move. If Spider Man doesn't win it, it isn't because they didn't Jimmy the votes. You know, it's yeah. You no, know, they're sitting. Everybody at at. Marvel Central, start voting today. Kids, you got to get in there because we're going to win it.
2: I would love it so much if they went out of their way to have this dumb category where two of the movies are Marvel movies and then somehow they still don't win. That would be the funniest thing to happen all night.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's like a bunch of other ones that are like worth getting into. Those are presented in earlier ceremonies and we'll just go through them later tonight.
0: Best animated feature, best score.
1: Best song? Best song is the one that might be the most interesting because they don't know who is going to be singing on the show. Uh, it could be a big surprise. But come on, if Billie Eilish doesn't win and she already won a Grammy for this, she better get it, even if Beyonce
0: is in there. You'll be able to find links in the show notes to all of our selections on goldderby.com so you can kind of see what we're thinking. Encanto, uh, it seems like that's kind of a lock. I, I personally would love to see the Mitchells versus the Machines take that. Or flee, but I think it's Encantos to lose. Summer of Soul seems like a lock. Uh, that won the, the Produc- Producers Guild Award uh, in documentary. That's the, the Quest Love documentary that's, uh, I think it's on Hulu. Highly recommend digging that up. Robin Robin uh, for Best Animated Short seems kind of like a lock, even though I thought uh, Bestia and The Windshield Wiper were both fantastic. Honestly, all of the animated shorts were really amazing. And it's a huge bummer that that's getting just kind of tossed aside. International film, drive my car. That's a yeah, worst person in the world being a close second. Am I saying anything that's uh, rubbing either of you guys wrong? No.
1: Editing will be a good
0: bellwether for
1: the night. So if you hear editing and you see, you know, who won that, that could give you a, a sense of where the room is.
0: We will have, have all of our links uh, links to the, the gold derbies. So you can kind of see more of a uh, intense breakdown of what our picks are if you feel so inclined. We'll be back next week. Obviously, we will have the, um, the answers. We'll know who, who did what. We'll see if uh, Glenn Close dances to Debut again. Fingers crossed. <laughs> there.
2: Best accent work is going to House of Gucci.
1: She's showing, so you know that Patricia Gucci is gonna be there, and she's gonna be handing out something. You know, darling, she'll be there. <laughs> so, even though they got nothing, they got zip, they'll be there, but poor Rachel Zegler, she'll be out parking cars. Any parting shots? Any uh,
0: Anything else that's worth throwing out there?
2: I'm actually very excited. Uh, later on today, I uh, again, AMC, shout out to AMC. We love AMC, we love their uh, their past. I love their Coke Freestyle on weeks when there are people that don't know how to use it. Later on tonight, here in Sioux City, they're gonna be screening The Godfather uh, Part One as part of like the 50th uh, anniversary thing. I'm gonna go and see that, which I've never actually seen The Godfather in theaters uh, before, so I'm very excited about that. I am going to the theater and seeing something good. And uh, you should go and do the same. Doesn't have to be the Godfather. It Could be the Godfather Part Two, not the Godfather Part Three. Then you're not seeing something good. But yeah, uh, go to the theaters and see something good, or uh, stay at home and uh, stream something good there.
0: So, like I said, we'll be back next week with reactions to the award shows and, and et cetera, uh, and also some new, you know, films and, and, and such to, to look forward to. TV shows that I to be streaming. Links are going to be in the show notes. You can find all of our info there. Follow us on social media. Like, reply, give us five stars on Uber, whatever you know. Just do do your thing, and uh, see something good.
2: The kids love the metaverse.